0: Well, hello. Good morning. I am certainly happy to be back here. We have made a lot of travel, a long distance, and uh, we've seen a lot of interesting and exciting and good and bad things all over the world. Yesterday, when we were flying out of Paris, they evacuated our section of the airport two different times. And uh, due to threats, bomb threats and such. And uh, when we were in London, there was a there was a attack in a bomb went off in Manchester, which was about 160 miles from us. But it heightened all the security everywhere. I know many of you have heard there was an attack yesterday in London that uh, killed several people right where we were at and where we spent our time. We saw a lot of ugliness, a lot of A lot of challenges and things that make you really appreciate the freedoms and the safety and security like was mentioned in the prayer that we have here. We also, on the flip side, saw some amazing and fantastic things. We saw the northern coast of Ireland, which is just magically beautiful. We saw the Alps, which are fantastically majestic. And you can't drive through that without just being... Touched with the the majesty and the splendor of God and what all he has done. You know, there was neat things in London, but they didn't match the natural things that God has done. We also had the opportunity to worship with Christians in Paris, France and in Belfast, Ireland. And uh, it was a wonderful experience in Paris. We met a brother from Nigeria who became a good friend of ours and uh, took us all around Paris and showed us the sights and all. Uh, we just we got both extremes, both the good and the bad in this trip, and it was a it was a real blessing for us. It's something that I would planned on taking Carrie on our 25th wedding anniversary for 20 years. I've been preparing for this trip. We actually had a wedding that year, so this is 27 before we got to it, but we got to do it. And one last thing I want to mention to you uh, to get rid of the elephant in the room. I figured since I was as old as Yancey now. I ought to be able to have a midlife crisis, so I did shave the mustache. Probably the first time any of you have seen it, but that's about as wild as a Christian gets in midlife crisis, I think. So um, I don't know if it will stay gone or not. That's yet to be determined. What I want to talk to you about, though, is not our trip. It's not the way we look physically, but it's something much more important than that. It's spiritual. The title of the sermon is Character Under Construction. And we're in the middle of a series right now of different things. And this is the one that I was assigned to cover. Character under construction. You know, when we talk about character and construction, I guess the first thing really to talk about is construction. We all know what construction is, don't we? You look around here, you can see some construction that's taken place here in this building just recently. Construction is just plainly building something. Most of you have done that. You've built something at some point. Our kids, even from the time they're in kindergarten, we get them what we call construction paper, right? What do you do with that? Well, you make stuff out of it. You fold it into stars and little houses and little people. And it's to construct or to build or to create or to cause something to come into being. What we want to do when we talk about construction is we want to realize in our lives, as well as anything, the first step in this is you've got to decide to build. Yancey's business is construction. They never build anything that somebody didn't decide to build before they built it. Someone at some point has to decide to build Now, that's true physically. It's true of the kindergarten class where the teacher says, we're all going to cut out paper butterflies or whatever they do out of construction paper. It's also true in building big construction projects such as hospitals and convention centers. But it's also true of making changes, constructing and building things with your character in your life. You know, not only do you have to decide to build, but you have to decide what to build. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we find a story of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, before he was an apostle, was an enemy of Christ. But he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And when he realized it was the Lord, he fell down and he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? He was deciding to build at that point. At that point, he made the decision to build. Now, are you a Christian? Are you a member of the Lord's church? Have you been baptized? Believed in Jesus? Confessed and repented? If you have, you've decided to build. you made that choice. I'm going to build my life in a certain way that honors God. That was the decision. The, the question that we're going to concern ourselves with some this morning is exactly what and how we are to build. You know, this title construction or character construction is we're talking about building our character. Now, do you know what your character is? I've heard them talk about certain people and they said, boy, that guy's a character, isn't he? You've heard that, right? Yeah, Eddie's a character. (laughs) Okay. In a good sense. What does it mean to build your character? To construct, whoops, to construct your character? Well, when we talk about character, what we're really talking about is the moral and mental qualities that are distinctive to you. It's the things that make you who you are. It's the moral qualities. It's the type of person that you really, really are deep inside. It's the real you behind the mask. You know, at times we all put on a face, right? We all act a certain way. We all act what we think is appropriate in our area or our circumstance. But that's not always really who we are. Your character is who you are behind that mask. Your character is the motive that motivates or moves you to do the things that you do. Why do you do the stuff you do, Kent? Well, that's your character. You see, that's what's inside you that motivates and moves and makes you who you are and what you do. And when we talk about constructing character, we're talking about working those particular things. And when we talk about constructing it, we mean changing the kind of person that we are inside, changing those motives, changing that secret me that you can't really see. You see the outward me. You, When I walk in, if you've known me very long, you probably noticed oh, his mustache is gone. That's weird. But you know, I can make significant changes inside me that won't be immediately obvious to you. In fact, I can inside me be totally different than what I present outwardly. We call that hypocrisy. That's what the Bible word for that is. If you pretend outwardly to be something different than you are inwardly. But the reality and the truth is that every one of us, we desire to make some type of a change. We desire to be different in a meaningful way. Everyone wants to change. You go into self-help, any kind of bookstore, and you find all these self-help books. That was just easy. Type in change. What, you're, what you are, change your life, and you get all these pictures, all these different books and programs and websites and everybody telling you how to change. If we want to be different, what do we want to be like? How do you want to change as a person? You might say, well, you know, what I'd really like to do is become a better person. Is that a good noble goal to become a better person? Is that what God would have us do is to become better people? Does that satisfy God if I work to, to be a better person? You know, this picture here is supposed to be Cornelius. Cornelius was a good guy. I mean, he was a really good guy. Look what Scripture says about him. It says he was a devout man and one that feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. How's that for you? Are you that kind of person? Are you devout or are you kind of half-hearted? Are you devoted, devout? Do you fear God with all your house? Do you have a fear of God that infects the those closest to you, around you? Do you give generously to those who are in need? Do you pray always? you pray often or do you go, well, you know, I pray some, but I know. He was a good guy, wasn't he? You know what else the Bible says about this guy? It says that God sent Peter to him to tell him words whereby he and his house might be saved. He wasn't sufficient with God. And you know, I don't believe it's the right motive to say I just want to be a better person or a good man or a good woman. Some people's goal, their change, is they want to find happiness and satisfaction. You know, many of you know, I taught... Uh, high school this past year, just a couple of classes. I taught Bible and I taught uh, a biology class. And when I was teaching at the very end of the year, I asked the kids, I said, the last class, I said, OK, just tell me about your goals for life. And uh, they had all these different ideas of what they want to do. You know, the one thing that was common in everyone's answer. I just want to do something that makes me happy. Everyone wanted to just devote their lives to something that gave them satisfaction and happiness. Because that would be truly a successful life, right? If you could live your life, you've heard the old do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life kind of stuff, right? Would that be a successful life? Is that what we should aim for? The Bible says this about Jesus Christ... Said he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Do you think Jesus was searching for satisfaction and happiness here on this earth? If he was, he didn't find it. I don't believe that was his goal. Be a productive member of society. We say, you know, it would be good if we could raise our children to be productive members of society, right? We all want to be. Is that a good goal, to be a productive member of society? Somebody says, well, we don't want unproductive members of society, do we? No. But is that a sufficient goal? Is that the kind of change that I need to bring about in my life? And I'll tell you, I don't believe so. This man is supposed to be Pilate. You know, the story of Pilate, Pontius Pilate, when Jesus was being crucified, before he was crucified, they brought him before Pilate, and Pilate judged Jesus. And, you know, he ultimately decided to allow Jesus to be crucified. Do you know why he did that? Look at Scripture. But when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising. He said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person you see to it. Now, let me ask you, if you've got a leader and he sees there's fixing to be a riot and people are going to get hurt. And he can stop. A real, bad, ugly situation by sacrificing just one person. Is that a productive member of this type of society, a Roman society? It was very productive. That was a wise political decision in this society, in this culture. But it was the wrong decision. Being just a productive member of society, if you were in a headhunting society, you would be really good at headhunting, <laughs> That doesn't that's not the standard by which we need to judge our lives. Some people say, Well, I want to leave a legacy. I told you now that I'm as old as Yancey for a few months. That's fifty-four years old. When you get to this age, you start thinking a little bit about when you get really old, if you get really old, what people are gonna think, what people are gonna say about you after you're gone, your legacy. You think it's valuable to spend time trying to build a legacy? Is that the kind of thing we want to spend our lives with? Solomon, that's supposed to be Solomon there. He said a living dog is better than a dead lion. (laughs) You know, your legacy, once you're dead, you're just dead. That's all there is to it. People won't remember you very long. Even if you do great things. So... The goals of being a better person, happy, productive, or leaving a great legacy are really not what we mean when we talk about character under construction. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. These are all things that people in the world seek. Every one of those, you can find self-help books everywhere to tell you how to do these kind of things. That's what people are seeking for. That's what, why my class all said they wanted that. That's the goals of the world. That's what people are looking for. But God says don't be like that. Instead, God wants you and I to have our character goal is that of being like Jesus Christ. Scripture says in Romans eight twenty nine, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many children or many brethren. Now, let me notice a couple of things. There's that word predestined, predestination. Predestination is true. In this sense, it's true that God predestined—that's He predetermined something. You know what He predetermined? He, pre, excuse me, predetermined that Christians would be like Jesus. That was His predestination. Those He foreknew, He predestined to do what? To be conformed to the image of His Son. That's your goal. When we talk about growing and and constructing a character, we're talking about becoming inwardly like Jesus Christ was. A disciple is not above his teacher, Jesus said, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. You know what a disciple is? It's a follower of someone, right? A disciple of Jesus Christ is a follower of Jesus. And he says when a disciple is trained. He's going to be like who? Like his master. Like his teacher. Like the one who trained him. That's the skill. That's the ability. That's the natural tendencies that he's going to have. Is he's going to be like the one who trained him. The one he follows. Now you're here today. I presume because you claim to be a follower of Jesus. Right? And why you're here. That's why I'm here. Do you make any effort to be like Him? I mean, genuinely like Jesus? Do you think about that? We're going to talk about that goal here. It says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. You know what Jesus spent His time doing? Say, well, yeah, you know, he, uh, he healed people. This talks about healing people. Talk about healing people oppressed by the devil. Are people oppressed by the devil today? Do you know anyone oppressed by the devil? You do anything about it? Jesus would. Jesus went about doing good. You know, as you travel, you find you meet some really great people. Some, we met nice people in every country we were in that were very helpful. And, and we met other people that were not. OK, and you got all the in between. You go about doing good for people. Seeking opportunities to help instead of seeking opportunities to further yourself. That's what Jesus did. Scripture says also he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. You know, sin isn't just a mistake or a problem. Sin is is an offense against God. And says Jesus didn't do any of that. He didn't sin and go, well, you know, everybody's that way. Everybody has their faults. Everybody's got their problems. Jesus didn't sin. Jesus wasn't deceitful. At all. Are you ever deceitful? Ever? Jesus wasn't. He was always honest. He always told the truth. And he always refrained from sin. Now those are very lofty goals. Those are ideas that are way out there. But what I want to talk just for a moment about is really what you need to do this. And I could ask you this question. How bad do you want it? You know, there's some stuff that you want. And then there's stuff you really want. Then there's stuff you really, really want. Right? All of us have stuff we want. You know, sometimes I like an icy when it's hot outside. You know, you can stop by racetrack or 7-Eleven or somewhere and get you one of those frozen soft drinks. It's one of the things you find out about Europe is they don't put ice in any of their drinks. And I miss ice. I like ice. I like, I want some ice. I want an icy sometimes. I want a Coke sometimes. But you know, even when I want one, sometimes I don't stop. I go, I'll get something later. And I go on, right? But have you ever been in a situation like I was in when I was about seven or eight years old, just learning to swim? And I, got, I could swim a little bit, but I had to stand up to breathe. <laughs> I could I could move through the water, but I had to stand up if I wanted to breathe. And I went swimming, and we were in a lake, and I got out to where the boats were loading. And that was deep. Over here it was shallow, and there was deep. And I went to put my feet down, and there wasn't anything to put my feet down on. And I want to tell you something. I've never wanted an icy like I wanted breath. <laughs> you see? There's the, I want an icy kind of breathe, kind of want. And there's the, i got to breathe kind of want. And those are different. And I want to tell you that if you have the, I'd like an icy kind of desire to be like Jesus, you may make some incremental changes in your life, but it's not going to be anything real. It's not going to change you. It's not going to make you more Jesus. But if you've got the, I need oxygen kind of desire... Things will change. And nothing and no one is going to stop it. You know, when I was that age, I had a cousin that was there that was actually standing on the shallow part that just reached out and grabbed my hand. And I came out. I just stood on his head if I needed to to get air. Because I wanted air. It mattered to me. Does it matter to you to be like Jesus? Or do you just live your life and go, well, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm not like those people. I'm not blowing people up. I'm not saying this is for Allah and slashing people. I'm not doing all this bad stuff. I'm not cheating people and stealing. And And I get to church at least two or three times a month. Is that way you're living? Or are you living with a a way, something inside you that drives you that says, I want it. I want it bad enough. Nothing is going to get in my way. You know, everybody's got a choice. We, uh, when we traveled, <clears throat> you know, there's jet lag because there's seven hours difference between there and here. And when you jet lagged, sometimes you get cranky a little bit. And at various times, another couple went with us, and at various times, all of us were a little bit cranky at one another. Sometimes, you know how they and we'd snap a little bit and and. One of the things that we got to talking about on the trip is, you know what? Even if you are tired, cranky is a choice. You don't have to be cranky. That's a choice. Everyone's got a choice. Now, you may be tired and not have a choice in that, but you don't have to be cranky. Everybody's got a choice. You've got a choice how you're going to live your life. You can do whatever you want with your life. At any point in your life, you can do anything from... Living like Jesus to ending your life. You can do any of that. It's your choice. And the thing that no one else can help you with. Nobody but you can help you with want to. Nobody can make you want to. You've got to want to yourself. And that's where it all starts. If you don't want to, you won't change. You'll, you may attend church every time the doors open for 80 years, and you'll never change if you don't want to change. There's got to be a significant inside desire. Now, once you have that desire, and I'm going to assume just for our sermon's sake that all of you here have that desire, and you really genuinely want to change... How do you go about doing that? Well, if you've attended church here very long, we we're strong on how to. We talk a lot about how to in our midweek fellowship groups and uh, in our afternoon application services, and we're big on how to. You probably know how to if you attend church here very long. But you see, how to is useless without want to. You got to have want to. I know how to do a lot of stuff. I know how to knit. (laughs) I don't (laughs) knit. You know why? Because I don't want to. I know how to smoke a cigarette, but I don't smoke a cigarette because I don't want to. I know how to do lots of stuff that I don't do because I don't want to. Knowing how is not enough. You have to have that want to. Once you have that want to, I want to tell you just briefly a couple of things about the how to, just in case you haven't heard a lot of it. You've got to be willing to change your heart and your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. you got to change it. You see, when we were in Europe, Carrie wore her watch. She never changed the time. She never changed it. It was always set on Dallas time. The whole time we were over there. And I'd say, what time is it, hun?" she She'd go... Well, no, let me see. Are we six hours or seven hours? You know, because we were in different time zones and she'd figure it out. That's OK for two weeks. But if you move over there, you got to change the clock. You can't leave it on Dallas time if you're moving over there. For Christianity, you can't keep your mind set on worldliness if you're moving into the kingdom of God. Now, if you're just visiting the kingdom of God, you can leave your mindset on worldliness. But if you're going to move into the kingdom of God and be a citizen of the kingdom of God, you've got to change your mindset from worldliness to godliness. And that transforms us. That's what changes us. Because you see, the things that we think about are the things that determine what we do. Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. You see, what makes you what you are and who you are really is your heart. It's not what other people think about you or what other people say or what other people see. But it's what you really are in your heart that defiles a person and makes them righteous or unrighteous. The scriptures say we're to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and I put up here. You know the drill because every one of you has heard this over and over and over, haven't you? You got to read. You got to study. You got to meditate. You got to pray. You got to attend church. You got to hold yourself accountable, or find someone to help you hold yourself accountable. All of those things. We all have those. I mean, we could whip those out just like that. Any one of us could, right? You know what all of those are focused on? They're focused on changing your mind. They're focused on changing the way you think. And when you change the way you think, that changes your character. Your motives are different now. Your motive is not to get the best deal. It's to do the most good. Your motive is not selfish, but it's selfless. And you see, when my motive is selfless instead of selfish, instead of being cranky when I'm tired, I'm helpful when I'm tired. Because my motive is different. I'm not going, well, you know, I didn't sleep good last night. And I had not had my coffee yet. Okay. But instead, what I'm doing is I'm looking to see if you slept good and if you need some coffee and if there's some way I can serve you. And I don't get angry When there's something that inconveniences me. Because my goal and my motive is not to be convenient to me all the time. But instead, my goal and motive is to do whatever it takes to serve those around me. To love God and love my neighbor as myself. Now that doesn't just happen. You can't just sit down one morning and go, okay. Now on, I'm not going to be selfish. I mean, you can do that. (laughs) But it doesn't do any good. It won't work that way. The way that works is you read and you memorize and you meditate on Jesus and how Jesus lived and what Jesus said and what Jesus did and how He talked and the things He said about people and about situations. You memorize that stuff. You meditate on it. And you start to think like that. And when you do, that changes you. You start to talk to Him about these things. You start to, instead of... Are we going to church today? I've sure got a lot to do. Instead of that, you're eager to go serve the Lord, to go worship with him, to go sing songs of praise and to spend time with the Lord. You're eager to do that. Why? Not because you said, "Okay, now I'm going to be eager to go to church. No, but because you begin to think like Jesus thinks. And when you think like he thinks, when you go somewhere, you want to be with his people. At any opportunity that you have, you want to do that. Scripture says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle and may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. You want the truth in your heart? You want to abide in the hill of God and the tabernacle of God? Speak truth in your heart. Now. That's not always easy to do because sometimes there are things that, that uh, we have struggles and challenges with. Sometimes truth is difficult for us to discern. That's why Pilate asked, what is truth? Pilate asked Jesus. He said, Jesus, what is truth? You talk about truth, what is truth? Well, Jesus had already told what truth was and we have it written down for us in Scripture. Jesus said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So if I'm to speak truth in my heart, what that means is I'm to read and memorize and meditate. I go to worship with other people who believe the same things and teach the same things. And we take truth and we put it into our heart and we begin to meditate and think on that. And we begin to choose to think that way. And I want to tell you this. If you really want to do this, what you need to do is focus on the areas where you disagree with Jesus. And I say, well, what do you mean I don't disagree with Jesus? Yes, you do. <laughs> we all disagree with Jesus some. We all at times think it's better to get vengeance than to let things go. Right? And, and there could be all kinds of different things that uh, we would disagree with Jesus on. How to be great. Jesus said, you want to be Great. Be a servant to everyone around you. That's not the way we think about great. We think about great as being the boss. Being the one who makes the decisions. Being the one that makes the calls. That's not greatness. Greatness is service. Vengeance. We think people deserve vengeance. And sometimes we're the ones appointed to meet it out, right? We feel that way sometimes. Right. I've got my rights and you can't step on my rights. You have no right to mess with my rights, right? One of the things that we found interesting on the trip is people ask, several people have asked us, you know, what do people say when they found out you were from Texas in the United States? We got the same question everywhere. Do you miss your guns? <laughs> Everybody thought we missed our guns. We said, well, a little bit. You know. We love those rights in America. But God talks a lot about rights. He talks about surrendering your rights for the good of other people fear you afraid to die we walked on a rope bridge and that rope bridge was a couple of hundred feet high probably and you look down the crashing ocean between you and it was out to a big rock out in the ocean there's a little fear there you afraid to die jesus talked about fear he said don't fear it's hard not to fear And you're standing in an airport and the guys with machine guns come and say, we're getting, you know, moving everybody out. That's a little fearful. Jesus talked about not not having fear. Worry. I think it's okay to worry, most of us. Achievement. What it means to actually achieve. To put my education or my career goals or my family first. And all of those, when you find yourself disagreeing with God about anything, that's what you need to memorize. That's what you need to meditate on. That's what you need to think about. Now, that's the stuff that's going to be the most uncomfortable for you, but that's where real change comes. One other thing I want to mention about this is that this construction process is lifelong, um, in Boston, they have a deal. They've got tunnels all over Boston. They called it the Big Dig. And uh, the problem, they built their airport out in the ocean, and they've got the city of Boston all around it, and they all of it's historic, so you can't tear up any of the buildings to build bigger roads. So the only way to get there was tunnels. So they built tunnels all under Boston. It took years and cost billions of dollars. Years, and like Fifteen or twenty years to build these tunnels. That's a big construction project. And not like the one you've got. If you're going to change your character. It's a lifelong project. It's not something you can get done in just a little while. You know, Paul said, "I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press." Toward the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul toward the end of his life. He said, I don't think I've got it yet. I haven't apprehended. Now, if you're like me, there are times in your life where you'll make good progress. I mean, if you read and pray and study and worship, if you do those things, you will make progress. You'll make real progress. But you can get to feeling like you've done pretty good, and then you can kind of slack off. And when you slack off, before you know it, all those old habits and all those old things, they want to come back just like sprouts from a tree that has been grafted underneath the graft. The natural sprouts are going to keep coming out. You've got a job. When we bought our house, it was just a shell. And Carrie said, I don't know if I want to stay in this house. And I said, that's okay. I can have it ready to sell in 90 days. (laughs) We've been there 20-something years now, and it's still not ready. The thing is, we've been there long enough that all the stuff I fixed when we moved in are starting to break and we're having to repair and fix. It's just a, a lifelong thing. <clears throat> That's the way it is with your life. You don't ever get it done. It's going to take everything you've got all your life. The Apostle Paul also said this, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become Disqualified. He said, I never quit. I never give up. I never stop. Taking your mind back to what the Apostle Paul said, that the ones that God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Are you being conformed to the image of the Son of Jesus? You're not too old to be conformed to that image. You're not, you never get too old to work on that confirmation you're not too young to begin being conformed to that image. You're not, well, I hope you're not, too busy to be conformed to the image. Are you being conformed to that image? So what if you don't? I mean, what if we just don't do it? What if we just go to church and kind of go through the motions and occasionally read or something? What, what if we just don't? And the answer to that is what Jesus said. He said, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my father, which is in heaven. It's not okay to just make a half hearted effort that doesn't satisfy God. This character construction is a hard, hard job. It's tough and your life keeps changing as you go along. Things are different when you're young, when you're Jacob's age. I mean, the things that you need to work on and struggle with and work to change. You may struggle on those things and work on them all your life. But once you get married, then there's different stuff. There's stuff you never knew that come up once you get married. And then when you have kids, there's different stuff. And then when your kids start moving out, there's different stuff. And then when you get older. There's different stuff. There's always new areas. That you're going to need to work on bringing your life into conformity with Jesus Christ. So the real question. About all of this is not the how to. You know how to. The real question. Is how bad do you want it? Do you want it like you want an ice cream cone? Or do you want it like you want oxygen? Those are the differences. And you're the only one who can make that determination. At some point you should decide. That you want it, you want it bad enough to do whatever it's going to take. And you're not going to let anything get in your way. Whatever the cost, you want it and you want to serve God. You want to be like Jesus. That's when we call ourselves Christians. Because we want to be like Jesus Christ. I hope you've been motivated and encouraged some by the lesson this morning. And as the invitation or conclusion, what I'm asking you is this. Do you want it? If you want it and you need help getting it, that's one of the steps, the accountability things. You come and tell people, hey, I need some help. I want this, but I need somebody to work with me. I need someone to help me. you got people here who will help you if you want it. But you got to want it because no one can help you with the want to. That's in your own court. That's in your own heart. If there's any way we can assist you, we do offer a song of invitation if you'll make that need known while we stand and sing.